This is an after-school program podcast. Welcome to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast, where we explore what it's like building, running, and working out of a home studio with your hosts, Joshua Matatuck, Andrew Simmons, and many guests in different areas of the music industry. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, it's me, your boy, riding solo with my friend Enoch Yang, hailing from North Carolina at the moment, previously from Los Angeles, and you grew up in Seattle, right? Yeah, yeah I grew up there. Born and raised. Look at that. I know, I know everything. And uh, Enoch is a writer, a producer. He is an A&R for That Pitch, which is a sync company, and... I wanted to invite him on here, get the rundown of what he's been up to, and you know, hopefully share some knowledge about sync because I know a lot of people are interested in that. It's a really, really cool field. I know people who have built entire careers off of it. And I think uh it's just gonna be a really great conversation. So thanks so much for taking the time to uh hop on here and chat with me. Yeah, Josh, uh, super excited that you asked me to do this. Um, yeah, when you texted me, I was like, oh, dang, I'm I'm so excited. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's just it, it's been fun. I was telling I was telling Greg last night that, um, you know, it's really cool doing this with friends because it kind of just gives us an excuse to catch up in a way. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just to see everybody sort of face to face and this summer hopefully it will be face to face and uh you know just catch up and talk about all the good things so tell me where where did you begin where oh you god born? where did i begin uh yeah so like you said in the intro i grew up in seattle washington um yeah, it was kind of like, I mean, I'm Asian, so my, my parents basically gave me an option when I was young of you can either play piano or violin. Um, and thank God I chose piano. Um, and yeah, they put me in piano lessons. I was doing like the classical piano thing for a while, um, you know, like as as one usually does. And around like middle school high school time decided I wanted to branch out a little bit started playing in bands um started playing with the church group that I was part of um in those days and from there decided to go to school for it um somehow ended up on a music production route after college and started doing that um tried to make that work for a while uh taught piano to kind of like pay rent and all that and about a year ago, almost a year and a half ago, uh, started working for this dude named Mark Eckert, who um, at that point was like a music producer with like a sync licensing side gig. And then he switched, um, he kind of switched those roles over to being um, primarily like, I mean, still a music producer primarily, but focusing a lot more on like developing um, other growing music producers and giving them opportunities to pitch content for sync licensing um, and create that kind of stuff as well. And so started working for him um, as an A&R and my position has kind of grown. Like I still say A&R because, you know, A&R is a buzzword and it's, it's cool 
to say on like you know professional like circles or whatnot but uh, i pretty much head up um all licensing coordination operations at this point so lots of fun that's a that's a quick like flyover of my journey awesome so um for those who don't know um do you just want to give a brief rundown of like what sync is yeah so sync is kind of this really weird niche corner of the music industry it's been growing in popularity a lot over the last few years mostly because a lot of companies a lot of organizations have surfaced that are letting people have more access to sync opportunities as opposed to just having like um this like one core group of like composers and scorers um who do all the opportunities um it's super cool it's basically whenever a company needs music right they can't just go and like rip something off of Spotify or like buy an iTunes license to use. Um, Cause those are like consumer grade licenses. They're for single listeners, if that makes sense. Um, whenever a company needs uh, music for like some sort of a mass event or a mass um, like ad, like an ad um, commercials, anything for like maybe TV, um, anything that's going to be heard by multiple parties and isn't just intended for like a single party consumer, they need to buy what's called a sync license to use the track. And so sync licensing is basically the process of having, um, of a company uh, basically buying the rights to use a track in a public facing manner. Did you have any interest in sync before you got into it? No, not at all. Um, See, like, cause, like, I, I joined, I joined that pitch and I, I, I've done like two of the things I'm mostly in there. Cause I love the group and I love supporting Mark. Like Mark is such a great dude and he's just like naturally somebody that everybody wants to be around. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just like being around him cause he's very matter of fact and he tells things how it is and he gives a lot of useful info and doesn't like you know, he, he doesn't overly inflate things like a lot of other mm-hmm. people too, you know? Yeah. And so it's really cool being in that group and hanging out and all that stuff. And I know that we've talked to him a few times about getting on the podcast, but we just haven't like set mm-hmm. anything up yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty funny that you had no interest in sync ahead of time. Um, it's, I feel like sync is one of those things that you kind of like accidentally fall into. And then you realize how much of a like potential that side of the industry has um i think what a lot of people are scared of is that sync operates off of like speculation like you're not you're sending something in with the intent that it might get chosen as opposed to doing like commission work for artists or anything like that um but what i found actually is that as long as you're sending in stuff that's like high quality and um meets like the brief you have a decently high chance of landing like if you think about demographics like statistics most of the people who send in stuff to briefs aren't aware enough of their own skill sets to know if they're the shit or not to know if they're good or not i'm gonna say that again so you can cut that out um and so if you if you take a look at that like 80 percent of people who are sending stuff in for sync briefs don't have the awareness Um, to know that their content isn't good enough for the brief. So you're really only competing with 20% of people who, who send in content. And at that point, 
it's a numbers game of how many are you sending in versus how many are they sending in and also like how how high quality is your stuff and how does it match the brief so and uh realize i've been saying brief this entire time briefs are pretty much whenever an opportunity arises uh an agent a sync agency or um whoever you're in contact with it could be like directly to the music supervisor if you know them um will send out what's called a brief which is I mean, I guess it's short for a briefing of the opportunity. It goes over all the details that they can provide um, and exactly what, like, the particular company or client needs um, and, like, how to submit, where to submit, all that stuff. Awesome. So now, like, for your day-to-day stuff, like, what do you what do? You do? Because, like, I hear a lot about, mm-hmm. you know, licensing different things and... Um, I hear all these terms that I'm not even super familiar with. And it almost sounds like you guys are like sitting behind a curtain, like doing like rituals or something to the sync gods. And uh, so I'm really interested (laughs) about like what you specifically do. Yeah. There's definitely this like weird, like, I don't know, magical element as far as the sync world goes. And I think that's just because it's not as familiar to people. Um, So would love to go over terms that you have questions about um, just because I I love explaining things um, and like sounding smart or whatnot. Um, But yeah, so day to day, um, how that pitch itself is divided up. And I can't speak for other like sync organizations like Taxi or anything, but how that pitch is divided up is uh, Mark tends to be in charge of big picture, like steering the ship kind of stuff. So he's deciding, hey, this is um, the direction we're taking as far as like our education offer or uh, these relationships we have with our various clients. Um, this is the direction we're taking there. This is where we're going to take the company overall in general. Um, my job is more of an operations and coordination standpoint. So my day-to-day changes depending on the time of month it is or what projects we're working on. So a few weeks ago, I was filming a bunch of mini education courses on, hey, this is how you build a website. This is how you set up a form for your website. How do you build a type form? How do you like integrate Calendly into your like production business systems? Um, just kind of as like a like mini education offer to put out in the next few months. Um This week, uh, since Mark is currently in Panama, he's traveling, I've basically just been in operations mode, making sure everyone's happy, um, answering emails, answering questions about the briefs. We just released a a brief for a legacy fashion house, which is pretty cool. Um, So I wrote that up, sent that out. Um, Super cool, Josh. You should definitely submit to it because I feel like you'd create some really dope stuff for it. Um, Also, let's see what else. Um, I head up a team of like volunteer A&Rs. They're all that pitch members who they just kind of help answer questions here and there. So do a weekly check-in call with them on Mondays. Um, Close to the end of the month, I lead our licensing coordination portions. So basically making sure um, our team is checking all of our submissions throughout the month for compliance, basically making sure that um, people who sent in content follow the rules, Um, sending everything off to the clients for that month, um, hearing back from them on what they want to pick, notifying people, uh, and then making sure that we have all the appropriate turn-ins after, like, placement notification. So basically after, like, we tell someone, hey, this company wants your song, these are the things you need to do to make sure that you actually get the placement and that you get paid on time, 
Um, I need you to do these within three days. And then just kind of just mad following up with them every day for the next three days until they turn everything in. Um, then sending all those off, packaging them, sending them all off. And then the next month, um, it starts all over. So you start uh, by collecting the requests from the companies, putting them into a brief, sending it out, answering questions about it, kind of hovering around member support and like education builds um, back to the end of the month where you start that licensing coordination process all over again. So That's it's fun a lot. Though, my it's like my a job is process, insanely yeah. fun. And I feel like I'm always half working, half like, just enjoying conversations and like yeah. hanging out with people. Yeah. That's always exciting whenever it's, you know, a month long cycle instead of a day long cycle, mm-hmm. you know, nothing's worse than doing the same exact thing every single day. Yeah. So that's really cool that you have like this whole, you know, almost like timeline that you follow. And then once you finally do it all, you're like, Oh, I could catch my breath. And then the month starts again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's like cool things that we do. Like, I mean, it, it's cool that it's just literally a two-person team in Charlotte. Um, like we have a we have a virtual assistant overseas as well who handles some like administrative tasks for us. Um, but it's cool that we're small. Like, I mean, Mark took me to uh, like Hooters for the first time the other day, uh, and I was like, oh. "Oh, this is what Hooters is like." Because you know, like you grow up a good Christian boy, and you're like, "I can't go into a restaurant like this," and you know, their food sucks. <laughs> Um, their wings were okay. It wasn't terrible. Man, so. uh, when I was down in Florida, these people I worked with, they like loved Hooters. And so they would actually order food and have it delivered from Hooters, which to me oh is kind of like ordering Applebee's. Like, why would you do that? Like, yeah. especially with yeah. where we were, like there were so many dope spots on every single corner because uh-huh. it's a very, you know, cultural area. And it's just like, why would you get... Why would you get Hooters? And I remember the one time they ordered these wings and they were, there was like something wrong with the wings. It was disgusting. It it was just gross. All these people were all freaked out. And I was like, that's what you get for ordering from Hooters. (laughs) But I'm so glad that you got to go and experience Hooters. It was, it was the first for me. It felt, it felt so wrong walking in. Then I realized, oh, it's just a normal restaurant. Yeah. It's just a normal restaurant. Yeah. Applebee's is, yeah, when you said when you made that comparison, it was very accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not super into chains unless if the chains are really good. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a local chain up here called Patron, and they have some of the most authentic Mexican food I've Ooh. ever had. I love that. And like, I couldn't find anything close in Los Angeles or Florida. Okay. Um, I mean, mind you, Florida's really big for like Puerto Rican food and Cuban mm-hmm. food, not so much Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think about that often Interesting. how much I miss Cuban food. Oh, I like, think about Colombian um, food. how much I miss like Asian fusion all the time here. What technically is like Asian fusion? So it's, it's a mix of Hispanic food and Asian food, like Asian street food. That exists. Yeah. It's great. What? It's all over California. Like what? Southern California. No, dude. Yeah, so like think like bulgogi over fries or like tacos with like um like braised beef and like Asian like coleslaw on top. It's so good. It's so good. I'm so mad I never heard of this. How how have you never heard of this? Bro, I live I live in a place where the term barista didn't even exist until like ten years ago. Oh All right, God. like Pittsburgh is a city where everybody likes to be miserable. 
They like everybody is in the mindset that we are a bunch of gross, depressed steel workers, right? And so we only drink mud water and then we only eat burgers. <laughs> and that's it. Like the only places you could go to around here are like bar food. Like Patron, oh like God. that's a godsend. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I I found a really dope Japanese place over in Lawrenceville that me and my brother went to last week, and that was insane. It's called Umami, and um, they do the whole uh, Robata grill. Mm-hmm. It was just next level. Um, so that was dope. But there's nothing up my way. This is mm-hmm. like pasty white suburbia where it's like, all right, kids, do you want to go to Applebee's or McDonald's? <laughs> Oh man, so you're in like Olive Garden Red Lobster territory, just suburbia. It's so funny that you said Not that because if I drive 10 minutes that way, it's just like land. Like there's a Cracker Barrel next to a Chick fil A, which is then next to a um, Applebee's. And um, there's one more, a Red Robin. Wow. Wow. And an Olive Garden. Of course there's an olive garden there has to be an olive garden it's yeah. fancy dude i i i have my olive garden suit all ready to go i i remember when um like i have i have friends back home and if any of them are listening i doubt they are because you know they all dislike me at this point um i remember when they're like we celebrated our five-year anniversary at olive garden i'm like are you kidding me yeah, are you kidding me like, tell me, tell me you've never left the city without telling me you've never left the city. Dude, I've only gone to Olive Garden if I'm getting food for free. Like, if there's, like, oh, we have a ton of gift cards. Like, all right, mm-hmm. sick. Like, I'll at some point, like, it does really hit the spot. But that happens, like, maybe once every two years where I'm just, like, I want fake pasta with an insane amount of cheese on top. And I want unlimited breadsticks. Right. Like it's pretty rare that I'm in the mood for that sort of, like I'm always in the mood for sushi, um, Mexican food and ramen. Like those are the three things that Josh, have you ever had a sushi burrito? No. You, you poured a brave soul. I, um, I ate octopus for the first time. Wow. And how is that? it, It was, it was okay. So here's how it went down. They were called sushi plates, all right? So you think that you would get a plate full of sushi, different kinds of sushi. That mm-hmm. is not what it was at all. It was a bowl. It was basically like a like a bento bowl. So it just had, like, rice on the bottom and then all of this different stuff on top. Oh, so that's I, like a chiriashi bowl or whatever it's called. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. what they're exactly called. But so, like, I'm eating this thing, and I'm like, man, that's a little chewy. I don't know what that is, but we're just going to oh, roll with it. And it's so, the first like, time I've said that. So like we're so like I'm just going with it and then I look down and I see something with suction cups and I was like I'm eating either an octopus or a squid so I started googling the ingredients <laughs> I'm like frantically googling and I like see that it's octopus I just put my phone down I just keep eating and then at the end of it Jacob was like oh that was really good and I was like yeah you just ate octopus too <laughs> And it's funny because, like, I don't know, I there's like certain animals like I just don't really enjoy eating, mm-hmm. and octopuses, octopi, are one of them. 
because like they're so smart like i think that they're such brilliant creatures and like i feel bad but like i mean i justified that by saying well it was already dead they just gave it to us instead of somebody else yeah yeah that's true octopus (laughs) and squid are like those are i feel like those are two proteins yeah two meats that are just like they have to be done really well yeah otherwise it's because like i mean i can't tell you the amount of times i've gone to like a sushi place and i've had slimy octopus it's disgusting that's gross see this wasn't slimy it was just like a little chewy Mm -hmm. and um you know i feel like if it was like cooked or something like that i might have actually liked it but just wasn't really my thing and then i put that in the group chat and then andrew was like eel is king or somebody said eel is king and i was like eel eel is great really yeah go order unagi sometime it's wonderful really it's wonderful is it also chewy no oh see it kind of like melts in your mouth oh i'm i'm in then yeah i'm in and it's like super savory, like a little bit salty, but like also sweet at the same time. Super good. Yeah. Okay. That's that's my neck of the woods then, because they had um they did the grilled pork belly, and it was like the best pork belly oh, I ever that's had. Good stuff. Because like you know, uh, for whatever reason, anytime I get pork belly, it's always like really hard to eat. It's always like really chewy, mm-hmm. and um. It was just so perfect, and nice. I was so happy. I, I ingested so many calories I shouldn't have, but... Yeah, yeah, I I used to think that sushi was healthy, but, like, it only is if you eat the right, like, healthy rolls, which I don't. I'm always like, give me deep-fried everything. Tempura, uh, yes. Mayonnaise everywhere, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not... I, I, I don't really think that that's my thing. I'm... Like, sashimi's really been growing on me lately. Mm-hmm. So, like, I definitely lean towards that, like, anywhere I go. I'm like, I just want that. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. And uh, it's cool that my brother likes these things because he, uh, well, he doesn't like them because he likes the taste. He likes them because he's like, it's just straight gains. And he'll just sit there being, like, oh, just God. shoving uncooked fish in his mouth. And he's just loving it. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's like, it's like straight protein. <laughs> oh, my God. It's absurd. Um, yeah. yeah. So there, there's a joke floating around somewhere in my mind about that, but I, I'll, I'll refrain. <laughs> On that note. It has, it has to do about raw fish and, you know, particularly the word that I said before fish. On that <clears> note. <throat> anyways. <laughs> so how are you liking Charlotte? Yeah, it's it's great. Um, other than the fact that I can't find like cheap Asian fusion food, um, it's really great. Um, moving here, I feel like I feel like the city itself is a little slower paced, uh, which makes sense because like LA is insanely fast paced. Even where I lived, because I lived in Anaheim, which is like Disneyland area, and especially with COVID, everything was relatively quiet. But it just feels like the city moves at a, at a different pace here and there's like room for me to think and work and really dive into stuff that I want to do. Um, yeah, so it's been cool. Also, just California was a like amazing place, had a lot of like personal growth in it. Um, but, you know, with personal growth, you know, comes like trauma and like stuff that has happened that like has caused growth. 
And so I was ready just to have like a completely fresh start, you know, like completely different city, like 2000 miles away. So I'm really excited about where I live. Um, the city's cool. There's lots of really artistic people. There's a lot of culture here. Um, it's cool. I enjoy yeah, it. That's awesome. Charlotte I have air seems conditioning, like a really cool place. which is insane. I have <laughs> yeah. central air. Yeah. And utilities aren't super expensive here. Like that's insane to me. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty, pretty great. Crazy. It's pretty great. I was, uh, yeah, Florida was so expensive, and then like everything was broken, so we were paying like two hundred fifty dollars a month for our electric bill. Oh my and, gosh! Yeah, it was a bad time. That's I, insane. My electric bill last month was fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah. I remember whenever I told somebody that, and they were like, "Your electric bill shouldn't be that high," and I was like, "Oh, it's probably because our AC is broken." And then we just had broken AC for eight months. But, um, yeah, that was something I was talking about with Moshe. It's like how rent prices are going down in most places, but they're actually going up in Pittsburgh right now. Oh, strange. Yeah, so, like, I, I could get, like, a one-bedroom for about $1,500 a month here right mm-hmm. now. Depending on where you live. Like, if I lived on the south side, I could definitely get, like, a studio for, like, 700 bucks a month. But, like, yeah you're not getting parking like <laughs> you know you got to go a while to the nearest laundromat mm-hmm. like it's just not you know there's really no level of convenience but anywhere where yeah. there's like some form of space um the prices have seemed to go up since people really value their apartments now <laughs> after being stuck in them for yeah a year. yeah I, so I feel that that's been weird because it's like okay well I moved here at just like the perfect time because it was still before summer, so rent prices were still low. There were rent specials mm-hmm. going on. Um, yeah, perfect time. Like I've checked rent prices for my like apartment, and everything's gone up at least three hundred bucks for the summer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's it insane. seems about right. It's just mm-hmm. been crazy all around. Um, so now that you're you know all settled in and you're getting in the rhythm, are you still doing production work? Yes, actually, I've I've gotten back into it. So there's this weird ratio in my life. I think it happens in everyone's lives. Um, but when I'm like somewhat mentally stable, I tend to to produce a lot more. And when I'm like mentally unstable, I tend to write a lot more. And so I'm definitely in a phase right now where I have been doing a lot of production work, or at least more production work than writing. Um, I'm kind of rebranding the stuff that I'm doing as well, really leaning into, um, and I, I hate saying this, but I think I'm becoming a, a remix producer, um, which honestly is so much more fun because I don't have to worry about cutting vocals ever. Um, that's the fun part. It's pretty great. So yeah, that's the direction I'm going. I I haven't shared with you my latest stuff, but I'll, I'll send you a link that you can check out later awesome. if you want. So pretty excited. I'm, I'm kind of heading down this really like grimy, grungy, dark pop route oh that's um, sick yeah it's great it's it's what, so much fun bit crush what, everything what got you into remixes um i don't know uh a while ago our friend mallory um was like hey i want i want to do a pride remix and so i made a house track for her of one of her songs and from there i was like oh i i um i like this Right, I, I like this stuff, and so my roommate at the time, a dude named Chris Hutton, um, had gone like viral on TikTok with a song that he wrote or something, and I was like, "Oh, I want to produce it." Um, he ended up going to another producer, but uh, the production that I did for him, um, another like grimy dark pop type 
like production. Um, like I was like, oh dang, I I really mess with this. Like it's cool, and so it kind of went down that direction. And I'm trying to do like a track a month right now. Honestly, like what I'm doing right now is I'm I'm working kind of like pro bono. So like I'm not taking any money home. I just want to pay my mix guy to like mix the track together. Um, but yeah, it, it's been cool. There's a few artists that I'm like working with independently because I feel like when it comes to a remix, it's like it's two artists doing stuff, right? So like um, generally there's there's no revisions on it because it is an artistic expression project and not a um, like paid production for someone else. Yeah, so. that's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, because I was talking to Greg last night about some of the stuff that he's been doing and uh, like remixes are something that are just like so foreign to me, especially coming from like metal, you know? It's like that never happened, so... Hey, you I could wasn't... just post hardcore like some pop songs. That's called a remix, right? Yeah, something like that. I, I think that I think that uh, one time that got a band signed, um, and so it's like it's crazy to me that people are able to like take a good song and then figure out a way to make an equally good remix of it. Like mm-hmm. that just doesn't make sense to me because. I, I I guess my brain just doesn't work that way. So it's really cool that you got into that because I had no clue um, that, that was something that like you were actively pursuing because that Pride remix is silly. It is so good. It's, and, um, it's, it's stolen is what it is. Yeah? I didn't say that. Um, yeah? Yeah. I, <laughs> God. Yeah, no, uh, definitely I borrowed very, very heavily from um, the Foreman like Sounds of a Will I Am track. So what's that even mean? What does that even mean? What's that even mean, dude? Everything is just regurgitated. Nothing that we create will ever be new. Oh God. Or something like that. I don't know. I could scream about it all day. Um, so like going forward, like what are some of the things that you want to kind of get into? Like it, it feels like this past year has been really cool for you where you just sort of went from, you know, living in LA and then you were like, well, I guess I'm going to start like helping Mark out with some stuff. And then you're like, you know what? I'm just going to move across the country in the (laughs) middle of a pandemic and do this full time. Mm -hmm. Like you're just kind of in this period of where I don't want to say you're just like figuring it out because you obviously know what you're doing, but it, it seems like you're in this really exciting time of your life right now. Yeah. I feel like I'm like finally figuring out what I really enjoy doing. I tried to do the like um, producing full time route a while ago, and it just it drained me. I was so depressed. Um, just it it didn't it didn't go super well, and you know, so I was kind of coasting a lot through like the pandemic last year, teaching piano, like trying to make rent. Um, and like I had known Mark for a while. He and I had known each other for about like two years. Uh, I initially hired him to be my like business consultant and like to produce some of my own like indie artist stuff. And, um, he, he was like insanely influential throughout my like coming out process a few years ago, um, into like, um, leaving church jobs, going like fully independent. Um, and when, when COVID hit last year, um, I lost like half of my clients cause I was doing a lot of live session work and mm-hmm. that all disappeared. And I was like, well, dang, I have to, I have to make ends meet. And so I called him up and I was like, Hey, uh, this will probably be our last call. Um, I have run out of money 
and I need to cut a lot of costs to make sure that I can, you know, continue to um, not be homeless. And so he, at that point, like we had been talking a little bit because I had been bugging him saying, hey, I, I don't care if you pay me. I just want to like do a bit of work for you because I like I love what you're doing. I believe in what you're doing. Um, I'm invested in what you're doing. Um, and so he basically was like, yeah, why don't, why don't you just, uh, come and help me out with a bit with like some member support stuff. And I will in turn continue to like be your like business coach, um, like life coach kind of thing at that point. And so we did like a little trade off and it kind of just grew into the position that it was today. He started paying me eventually. I started taking on more responsibility and, um, I don't know. I, I really, I think I found something that at least in this phase of life, I'm really enjoying. Um, and that is like insanely fulfilling to me. Um, have you read the E-Myth Revisited? Yeah, I hate that book. You hate that book? That book sucks. It was basically just the four hour work week if it was written in like 1960. Oh my God. Um, okay, so I haven't read it, <laughs> I'm but the I only watched person the like Six Figure Home Studio podcast episode on it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know how, like, they talk about, like, how there's, like, three different, like, people in a business. There's the entrepreneur, the technician, and the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I went from, like, a technician side of things, you know, the, the person who does everything, you know, is a little bit cranky, but, you know, has all the technical knowledge. Um, I definitely moved into, like, a manager role, and I think that is really how my brain operates, like, making sure everything gets done um, keeping an eye on like the small details, making sure like those get done, but like having a team of people to help me get it done. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. So yeah, anyways, that's the, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I definitely relate to that. Like it's interesting whenever you start shifting from these different roles and like figuring out like not only like what you're good at, but like what's fulfilling, you know, cause it's not always that it's like, everyone always tells you, Oh yeah, if you do what you're good at, then it never feels like you're working. And it's like, no, oh. like, Heck no. No, like that's not no. that's not true. Like I heard that so many times in my life, you know, like, oh, just do what you're good at. And it's like, I'm good. I'm really good at making metal songs. Like I'm really, really good at it, but I would still be making no money and I would still be working with new artists who don't respect my time and I'd be in the middle of another mental health crisis. Yeah. And it's like, I think that a lot of people just overlook that whole aspect of it. You know, like just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes taking, you know, the more left field approach is going to give you a much more fulfilling result. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been doing that with music as well. Just completely shifted everything, everything that I've been doing and mm-hmm. trying to really just dissect everything because I'm tired of doing the same thing. And I want to make sure that, you know, I keep growing regardless of what position it's in. And I think uh, I think that that's just like super, super important. Um, have you had any like major milestones over the past year, like aside from the things that we talked about? Or like, hmm. you know, are there any like crazy challenges that you were able to get through that you want to share? Like business-wise? Anything, dude. Hmm. It could be personal. It could be business. Okay. Let's see. I think, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll tackle this from a few different angles. Business-wise, definitely pivoting during the pandemic um, was hard. Um, and then uh, 
firing network connections. Because, um, you know, like, I feel like when, when the pandemic happened, it, it was really easy to figure out which friends were just terrible people. And there was a particular dude in my life who had been a mentor in my life for a while. I considered him to be my best friend at the time. And um, he kind of just went crazy. Like, everyone took different, like, precautions during COVID. I was definitely, you know, cautious about everything. But I got, like, a cold one weekend. And I told my friend because I was like, hey, I, I want some emotional support on this. Like, this sucks. I don't like being sick. And he just blew up at me and was like, oh, my God, this could have been COVID. You could have fucking killed everybody in your life. And I'm like, girl, holy cow, like, calm down. Um so yeah, lear learning to let go of toxic people in my life was a big like professional and personal um, like milestone for me. I started seeing a new therapist and we ended up working on, um, what's it called? Establishing positive like internal feedback loops as opposed to always relying on external validation um, to, to develop a sense of self. And so just, um, I guess, becoming more like confident and like self-sustaining when it comes to emotional health. Um, actually started doing some sort of a morning routine that has since fallen apart. But, you know, there's a solid month where I meditated for 20 minutes every morning and really tried to fill my life with mindfulness um, and tried to like focus a lot on not just like my active mental health, but my passive mental health, um, like the stuff that goes on in my brain without me actively thinking about it. Right. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, your subconscious mental health, which is kind of insane. Yeah. That's um, like, it, it's not only is it almost like a crazy concept, but like, it's something that's also really, really hard to tap mm -hmm, into and change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, also, I, oh man, there have been so many milestones this last month. Um, made some really big religious choices in my life. Um, in January, ended up uh, basically getting rid of all labels and just, pursuing spirituality independently um which has been really huge so um, yeah that's definitely yeah, a big my step. parents don't know yet so i hope they're not listening to this yeah I hope, I hope they aren't listening i don't want them <laughs> to like catch a flight just to come like throw a shoe at you i know i know no it, it'll be more like a my mom will send me a like 90 page email are you serious your mom oh yeah she'll, she'll be like um yeah, I saw this post you made the other day. I just wanted to remind you that um, Jesus, Jesus still loves you. We still love you. Don't give up on Jesus. She um, emails you. Yeah, it's, it's in an email. I have like a good four to five of them saved from the last like 12 years. That's pretty cool. She's cool. My mom My mom is awesome. I fucking love her. That's awesome. Yeah, I get, um, I, uh, I, I really don't. Actually, you know what's kind of funny? I thought that my parents would be blowing me up whenever I moved out of state. And I think that my aunt, who lives in New Jersey, followed up with me more than my own parents did. Oh, interesting. Which was weird. Because, like, I, I don't know. I Which is, I, like, I don't know. My family isn't super close, but, like, we're also really small. So, like, I barely have a family. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mean that in, like, a dark or sad way it's just like i barely yeah. 
have a family compared to other people, you know, like going over to Maddie's house, whenever she has a family function, it's like completely overwhelming. And by the end of it, like my, all all, like my ears and my eyes are so like overstimulated. I just want to like go into a hole and cry, you know, a family function for me. It's just like, what's going on? Not much apparently. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so it was really crazy seeing that my aunt uh, would hit me up like weekly, sometimes twice a week, just to like mm-hmm. see how I'm doing with everything. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was really, awesome. really cool, actually. Yeah, like, I have I a solid friend group that. in California that hit me up like all the time. Um, like, I mean, you know Alyssa Wilkins. Mm-hmm. Um, she she and I talk like every day um, on the phone. And we, we, you know, we complain about, you know, clients and life and, you know, our love lives and everything. And it's great. She's she's coming to visit me again, like, this week. Um, we'll be super cool. Then there's a few other people that, like, strangely enough, I just met at a coffee shop in California. We all became super tight. Um, we chat all the time. It's cool. That's I miss so. them. Yeah, I, um, I don't have, like, anybody here that I actually, like, really connect with. Um, you know, I have some of my old high school friends that like will hang out. I have Sam, like that's it. Like I talk all of my all of my interactions every day are pretty much with people who live in other states, which mm-hmm. is like really weird um to think about. Josh, I think I think that's uh I think that's Charlotte saying that you should move here. <laughs> no, dude, okay, listen. The Carolinas or the Ohio of the South, all right? Oh, God. Why would I want to move there whenever I could literally just roll over on the wrong side of the bed and end up in Ohio? That is true. That is you very know? true. Yeah. And I'm just kidding. The Carolinas seem pretty nice, but still, they're kind of, they got the Ohio vibe. Mm. <laughs> have Love you ever it. been to Ohio? I have. I think I, I think, oh, funny story. Uh. I went to Colorado on vacation, and I think I accidentally ended up in Ohio at some point during that vacation. So, you know. What? It's exactly what you're talking about. They're next to each other, right? <laughs> are, they at, are they not next to Fuck, I'm not good at geography. Uh, no, dude. They are so far away. No. Like, Colorado is like oh a 30-hour drive. Oh, my God. Hang on. <laughs> Ohio's on the East Coast? Yes. Well, it's technically the Midwest. So Pittsburgh. Oh, fuck. I was thinking about Utah. God. Yeah, no, Utah seems dope too. Um, but so with how like this is all structured, like technically Pennsylvania is a part of the Northeast and Ohio is the Midwest. So living in Western Pennsylvania, right across the Ohio border, I actually pick up on a lot of like Midwest tendencies. And it's actually really funny because I never realized that until I worked with people who grew up in like Indiana and stuff. And they're like, oh yeah, you have that mannerism you say it like that huh. i'm like yeah like just how we interesting how we do it. oh dude i i suck at geography man that just that no, was dude, embarrassing that U- was great. utah is a pretty place it's very pretty ohio is not very pretty so yeah ohio, i've never been to ohio yeah okay it was probably for the better i wouldn't wish that on anybody actually i thought ohio was bad until i crossed the border from ohio into michigan and then i was like this place looks diseased because really like, i feel like michigan is cool though upstate michigan is very dope but i'm talking like over by detroit where like oh. like the industrial revolution just destroyed the Everything, environment yeah. huh 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just bitter, but like, <laughs> I mean, bro, who isn't bitter at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I live in one of the most densely populated places for hate groups. Oh God! So how can you not be a little <laughs> bit bitter? Oh, uh, that was that was a huge wake up call last year. Finding out that Pittsburgh is more racist than most of America. Well, like knowing, like you know, I could probably like go to my local Walmart and run into somebody who is either actively or used to be like a skinhead or something, but like, oh my gosh, it's just crazy. So, so I am not visiting you. No, like in all seriousness, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, and then on top of that, all we have here is Pramani's. So if you like sandwiches, you can eat Pramani's and that's it. Uh-huh. That's all we have. Oh, well, the and Sydney Crosby and whatever that thing that you always talk about, not Publix. It's the other thing. She- sheets? Sheets. Sheets. Whatever sheets is so is. bad. It's just like, it's just trashy Wawa. And everyone's going to hate me for that. But like, <laughs> Sheets isn't anything compared to Wawa. Like, you go to Sheets whenever like, it's like 3 a.m. And you're like leaving the bar. But like, who am I kidding? Bars are only open until like 1.30 in Pittsburgh anyway. So yeah, it's like oh. 1.30 in the morning and you're leaving the bar. Like, Wawa, like, you could go there for, like, a respectable meal. Like, you can actually have a decent meal that's better than most fast food. And everyone's like, oh, the sheets, it's so good. It's not good. <laughs> it's literally just, like, microwave dog food. That's like, and I'm I'm going to I'm gonna be talked to about this, but I feel like that's cookout here. Everyone's like, oh, my God, I love cookout. Okay, and well, like, first of all, cookout is incredible because it's like $5 and you just get a heap of disgusting food. That is true. Like, Sheets is expensive and it's disgusting food. I miss In-N-Out a lot, so. That's another, a lot of people hate on In-N-Out and a lot of people simp for In-N-Out, but, like, I really like it. To me, it was like a Steak and Shake wasn't gross. Mm, yeah. Because it's, like, cheap. It's good. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to really despise about in and out yeah yeah 100 percent. well awesome man so do you have anything else that you want to let the world know oh gosh that's such a large question <laughs> yeah that's a pretty beefy question yeah. i just threw at you huh it's girthy um <laughs> there's a lot of girth behind it there's some weight i don't know uh be mindful of joy like look look for those small moments in a day that actually make you um not just happy but joyful and make sure that you amplify those feelings because it's so easy to to fixate on sad feelings and stay in them. Yeah, I definitely so, um I definitely love that. Suddenly this has become a mindfulness podcast. Yeah, and bunch <laughs> of talk about food. <laughs> um so, yeah. So. Is there anything that you want to plug as well? Yeah. Um, if if you're if you are at all interested in like the short sync licensing portion that we talked about in the beginning and are at all interested in that pitch, um, you can use the code Hangout for twenty percent off of a membership. Um, that's recurring. So awesome. Yeah. And then we'll make sure that we plaster that everywhere. Awesome. And that way we can get a bunch of the crew involved with the uh, producer land group and it's just going to be a blast all around. So thank you so much for taking the time to just talk with me. And 
I'm so excited to see what you do next. And I'm excited to finally see your little face in person. Dude, I'm excited to see what you do next. You're over there just killing the game. So, yeah, Aww. super excited. Um, for those of you who don't know, which is all of you, because um, I'm assuming most of your listeners don't know me, um, Josh saved my butt on a production a while ago, and that production just got released. So, um, yeah, very thankful for you and your presence in my life, dude. No problem. For those so. who find out what production that is the guitars are 100 fake i programmed them <laughs> everything's 100 fake. i don't think the band even knows or if no. they do they were like yeah that's fine yeah yeah it is what it is it it i mean it sounds better than you know the piece of crap um quote-unquote friend that i had originally doing it so you know yeah friends anyway friends don't let friends do bad productions so anyway thanks again and see you next time. See you next time. And that's it for this episode of the Home Studio Hangout Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. Leave a review. It helps the show so much. Uh, kind of get out there for new people to find. Uh, if you want to watch this, if you aren't already, uh, check us out on YouTube by searching Home Studio Hangout uh, and thank you so much again for giving us your time and your attention. And remember, keep on creating.